Welcome. Glad you are all here. Wow. I love seeing all these faces in this room. So what's sad to me is I have these new contacts that help me read up close, but you guys are blurry as all get out. So if you're sleeping, I'm not going to know unless your head's just all the way over. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that he's here. Isn't it awesome to go to a place where you can feel something that you can't find anywhere else? I love that. In fact, it gets me all wonky inside and I have to kind of draw it back in to where I can do what I need to do or else I'd be a blubbery mess. Isn't God good? Oh, come on. Isn't God good? Now, I realize that he doesn't fix things the way that we want him to fix things. He doesn't do things the way that we want him to do things. And so sometimes that kind of confounds us and frustrates us. But the reality is it's not about what we think. It's not about what we want. It's about who he is and how he wants to do things. Now, for the last two weeks, I have been bound and determined to speak on tithing. Until God intervenes and says, no, I have something else. And so you're saved again. I'm not going to pound you on that. But what I want to do is I want to actually go back to the same passage that we've been on for the last two weeks. Because there's so much there. And I know you guys are like, seriously, how much are you going to pull out of here? There's just a lot there. There's so much in that phrase of being created in the image of God. And I mean, the reality is I want to remind us that we are his representatives Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, you were created by God. Yes, your mom and dad had a little something to do with it, but God had way more to do with it. He formed you, he knows you. In fact, he is waiting for you to invite him in to where he can unlock the potential that he built inside of you. That's the greatness of our God. And so when we can see that we are created in his image and that we are to represent him, last week we talked about that, we got to represent him his way. There are lots of things that I want to do that I think would be really good to represent God, but sometimes those things may not match up to what God has already created and designed for us to represent him as. There can be some righteous anger within me, so I want to go knock some heads. And God said, no, love your enemies. I don't want to love my enemies. I want to rip their face off. Come on, now listen. You guys giggle, but I know that's how you feel too. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. No. You got to love them. You got to figure out how to work with them. Now, stand your ground and be firm in what you believe, but you can do that in a way of showing love. In fact, we talked a lot about last week that in Galatians 5, Paul helps us see that there's a whole list of things that our inner self wants to do. Remember, in the middle of that list was selfish ambition of coming up with our own plan and our own ways of how we want to promote that I'm a Christian. Look at me. See how I do. And then Paul says, but there's actually something better. All those things are of the flesh. And when you walk in the flesh, you're going to do those things. But when you walk in the spirit, in the image in which God has created you, you're going to produce his fruit. Love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things apart from him we struggle with. But I can promise you, we all desire. We all want to have joy. 
Whether we want to admit it or not, and we walk around sometimes with sourpuss faces, but deep down, we want to be internally happy. We want to be joyful. We want to love. We've experienced being unloved, and we know what it feels like to shun people that want love, but we want to be loved, and we want to love. We want to be patient. We want to be gentle. We want to be faithful. We want to be good. Apart from God, those are virtually impossible. And you're thinking, well, I know a lot of happy people. Yeah, I do too. Well, I know a lot of good people. Yeah, me too. But are they the fruit of the Spirit good? Are they the fruit of the Spirit loving and kind? And so when we go back to this passage and we see what Jesus says, and he says, hey, whatever's created in this image on this coin, that's what goes there. But he does not stop there, and he reminds us of, hey, don't forget whatever God's is God's. And so God desires it all. Now, I know that's it's not rocket science. You're thinking, well, that's all you got this morning? Yeah, it's that simple. I want this message to be simply a reminder of what we have bought into. It's really going to be simple. Because God desires all of you. Not meaning all of us, but all of me and all of you. Your reactions, your actions, your thoughts, your words, your abilities. It's all his. But you can leave out your stuff. That's not his because you worked hard and you bought it. Now, I realize we're not laughing too much on that one because we know how true we think that is. Well, it's my money. I worked hard, so I don't need to give back to the church Okay, there's going to be a little tithing in here. I don't need to give back to the church because I volunteer and do this. You will not find that in here. If you volunteer and serve in the church, you do not have to pay your tithe. But he wants your time too. He wants your energy. He wants the talents that he's blessed you with. He wants it all. Well, there's this one thing that I really like to do, and this one place that I really like to go, and I know it's kind of sketchy, but nobody else sees me there, nobody else knows about it, and so because I can control this, it's going to be okay. No, it's not. If it is against, not my words, by the way, if it's against what he has set up for us here, then it's not okay. James says, for him to knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is Sin, which is that thing that God just don't like. He doesn't like it at all. So he wants all of us, every fiber of our being. And you know what's neat about that is, one of the reasons that I think that he wants it back is because he already knows how this thing is supposed to do. He already knows how it's supposed to move and to groove and to act and to to react. He already knows how to operate the system that is built within me. I don't. My heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. I can't even know and trust my own heart. It cracks me up when people say, well, they got a good heart. No, they don't. They don't. Well, they're really sweet. They just got a good heart. Not to be mean, but they don't. 
The scripture tells us our hearts will deceive us. And we have to be careful with that. So let's look and see again what Jesus says and pick it apart and see what we can get out of it again today. I'm not going to promise that we're going to move away from this, but I feel pretty confident we're going to a new passage next week. Verse 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Not in what he's doing, because what he's doing is great. But in his teachings, because his teachings are a little different than their teachings. And so if they can discredit him in his teachings, because they can't discredit him in his healings. There's no way of discrediting that. But they're going to try to trip him up in his teachings. But look how they do it. They sent to him their disciples. They didn't even go themselves. Good leaders there. That's a strong leader that won't even do it themselves. Send their underlings to go handle their dirty work. With their disciples, with the Herodians, another group saying, Teacher, we know that you are true. Teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Now again, as Seth helped us see, that's not talking about that Jesus doesn't care about anybody, but he's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care who it is. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to help you. They say, tell us, therefore, what do you think? (laughs) That makes me giggle because they obviously don't recognize who he really is. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Why are you challenging me? Because this really isn't what you want to know. Show me the tax money. So they um, brought him a denarius and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? Again, this is the deepest part of this statement. This is really where it gets important. He's trying to help them understand the importance of the image stamped on something. And that if an image is stamped on something, it is that person's. They say, it's Caesar's. And he says, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He says, in other words, pay your taxes. You don't have to like Caesar. You don't have to agree with how he's doing it. But... Your responsibility, if that's what's set up, you should honor it. A little side note. We as believers should pay our taxes and do it the right way. Don't cheat them. That was extra. But then he goes on to say, because he doesn't stop there. Again, this goes back to the question of whose image and inscription is this. He's really digging at something far more important. Remember that whole image thing goes all the way back to those first five books, right back in Genesis where we were created in the image of God. And these guys should have known that. And he says, whose image and inscription is this? And it should have triggered in their mind that passage of we are created in the image of God. And he says, and to God, the things that are God's. That wasn't their question. That wasn't what they were wondering about or asking about. And yet Jesus knew their heart. And he knew that they were created in the image of his father. And that they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Which is why he called them hypocrites. And then watch this. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. They were blown away. Again, they were not able to catch him in his words. So what does this look like? What does this look like? We've talked a lot about, okay, we're made in the image of God. 
It's all his. We're supposed to do what he's called us to do. What does this look like? We, we are practical people. We like the one, two, three, four, five list. Like, give me something to do. Well, that's what you're getting today. And what you're going to see are things that we developed about six years ago that we believe every church member should be following, but not just every church member. We believe that every follower of God, these are five things that are super important that we should be doing. This is the way that we give back and live in the image of God. So if you're a member, there's going to be a little bit of a refresher, and sometimes refreshers are really good. If you're not a member and you've been curious, what is this church all about? You're getting ready to see it. Getting ready to have a crash course in the member class. Here we go. First thing, I will actively participate in the activities of the church. We believe that you should be at every activity at the church. Every time the doors are open, we better see your face here. I don't care if your schedule is so busy, you better be here. Every activity. Is that possible? Listen, I grew up that way. I grew up feeling guilty if the church doors were open and I wasn't there, then something was wrong with me. God does not expect that of us. There are certain things that happen here that I'm not, it's not for me. And it's okay if I'm not here. But what we do believe is that based on Hebrews 10, we should not forsake the gathering of the saints. For sure Sunday morning, that's where we need to be. Right here or at home if you're at home. We would prefer you be here. But we need to gather. Why? So I can scream at you for 40 minutes? No. Because this is where connection happens. This is where growth takes place. This is where outside of the preaching and the singing, you guys do life together. We should be here. But there are classes on Wednesday nights. Those are more teaching opportunities. We're getting ready to start Go Groups back up. We have classes all the time. There are things that we can be a part of. Look at what it says. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We are here to encourage one another to love one another. And to do good works. Because on my own, I can't do it. I need him. But I can also be used by you, or you can be used by him, to help me to know what is right and what is good. Because extra perspectives, another set of ears, another set of eyes, can actually help us and to know what those good works and how to love correctly. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, because, um, but exhorting one another. And so much, so, or so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, if we're honest, that day's coming. Maybe a little closer than what we are used to or want, but it's coming. And now more than ever, we need to be a part of the church. Not just Townsend Church, but the church. There's a lot of great churches in our town, in our county, in our state that it is okay to associate with. Don't go there, but it's okay to associate with them. They're not heretical. You've got to be careful and know what you're getting into. But Bible-believing people, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And so we want you to participate. This is a great place. We've got a lot of good stuff going on, and we're getting ready to ramp up and create some new things to where you can be involved and to where we can connect even better than we already do. Number two is this. I will live generously by giving him my time, talent, and treasure. And yes, this is where we get into the tithing spot. I know you're thinking that. But notice where tithing is at. It's at the very end of that list. 
Because it's not about the money for us. It's not about the money for God. He wants your time. He wants you to look deep within to see the talent that he has blessed you with. And he wants you to use that on your time to bless us. To bring glory to him. Now, does that mean every one of us need to be up on stage singing and playing? No, because some of you, you have no reason to be up here. <laughs> Just like I have no reason cooking like Linda does. You don't, you don't want that. Our attendance would drop really fast. A lot of food poisoning. It happens. So there are things that I can do really well that you may not But there are things that you can do really well that I'm not going to be able to. And guess what? That doesn't mean I'm deficient. It just means that's not the talent or skill God gave me. But he gave it to you. And now he's calling us to use those talent and skills. Can I just put a a shameless plug here? Why is it a church our size that we always struggle to have kid workers? Not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to help us understand. There are some of you that are skilled in working with kids. You are great at hurting cats. And we have simplified it and made it as easy as we possibly can. Upward is a fantastic community outreach. Some of you are evangelistic. You love to just talk about Jesus. We have a gold mine for you from 8 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Saturdays. All you got to do is come sell some candy bars and some hot dogs and you can connect with people all day long. You can get your fix of just preaching to people. And we struggle finding people to do that. Again, this is not an opportunity for me to put a guilt trip on you. It's an opportunity for me to say, we got to open our eyes. We can't wait for that perfect opportunity or say I'm only going to do this what God is wanting from us is to say I recognize that I've been created in your image you have instilled in me these skills these talents and God I am going to live in your image and allow you to use it for your glory this is really what I want to do but I'm willing to do whatever you want let me tell you something if I had my choice I would be a behind-the-scenes, you-would-never-see-me guy. Now, that might strike you as strange, because I'm up here every Sunday, and some of you say all the time, well, you make it look so easy. This is not normal for me. I would much rather just be a fly on the wall. In fact, there was a couple of weeks ago, after my surgery, I showed up to church, and Mr. Tim didn't even see me. Pastor Tim didn't even see me. I sat in the back, fly on the wall, happy as a little clam. But when we take those things and say, God, this is what I want, but I'm going to do what you want. He says, I'm glad you said that because I geared you differently than what you want. He says, if you'll just submit all that you have to me, I've created you to do what you're doing. You just trust me and get up there and I'll take care of the rest. And he does. But if we do talk about the time, the talent, And the treasure. I recognize really quickly the expense that has taken on over the last little bit of time. The inflation. And I know that life right now is expensive. I get it. 
But the money that you make, again, I acknowledge it's yours, but it's really not. God blessed you with the know-how to do the job that you do. He blessed you with the job that you have. He blessed you with the business savviness that you have to be able to do what you do. It's not yours. And all he asks is 10%. That could be the tools that you have. I tell you all the time, my garage is always unlocked. It's full of tools. If you need something, call me. I will tell you where it's at. You can go get it. Just bring it back the same way you took it out. Do you know why I do that? Because it's just stuff. It's not mine. He's blessed me to have it, so use it. I mean, if we were to go back to Acts, that's how the first church worked. They had all things in common. There was no fussing and feuding about, well, you don't, you don't need my money. And you have my word. And I can say this confidently. When you give to this place, we are super careful in how we spend the money that you give to God for us to use. We are always an open book. You can ask us anything. We hide nothing. And God blessed us so well last year. We outgave the budget that we thought we were going to give. We spent a little more than what we thought, and we still were in the black. Because of God's faithfulness. It's because of your faithfulness. We want to encourage you to continue to do that. Not so I can have a nice car and a jet and a bigger house. Because I know that's what a lot of us think. The only time he preaches on tithing is when he needs a new car. I like my cars. I like my house. I like my stuff. I don't need anything. When I preach on tithing, it's because I want us to be obedient to the call of God. This is what I want for us. If you remember the, the, um, the parable of the talents, I want God, when he sees us, to be able to say to us, well done. Good job. He says, uh, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Do you know how to, to do better in our life? We actually give more. A little different than what the world says. If you want more, don't give it away, right? But when we are faithful to the Lord, he is faithful to us to meet our needs, not necessarily our wants. All right, enough of that. Number three, I will use my spiritual gifts to serve the church and the world. That means we expect you at some point in time as a member of Townsend Church to take a mission trip across the world to use your talent. No, that would freak some of you out. But you can pray for people. Some of you are really good at praying. Some of you have been blessed with wealth and you can give and support across the seas. That's what this is talking about. You have spiritual gifts all throughout us, inside of us, that God wants to unlock and to use for his glory and his glory alone. As each one has received a gift in 1 Peter, minister it to one another. Listen, we are always looking for musicians and some of you play. But I'm not that good. We'll help you decide that. Because some of you are just being not honest with yourself. Let God decide. If you can play, if you can help, we're always looking. But I don't, I don't like kids. Yes, you do. 
Who doesn't like snot running down their face and wiping all over you and coughing in your face? Who doesn't love that? It's not about loving them or liking them. It's about seeing the potential that they have and knowing that they are made in the image of God and God has blessed you with a a skill of patience that many of us may not have and you can work with them and guide them and you might be surprised when you submit to a holy God and say, I want to be used by you. He changes your heart to what he needs. Thank you. I appreciate that. Never gotten that before. I appreciate that. So minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's because of his grace that he gives these things to us. So again, as you can see, in the image of God, we have some responsibility. He's blessed us with spiritual gifts. He's blessed us with time and skills and treasure. And he just wants us to participate in his church. That's what it looks like to be and live in the image of God. Number four, I will strive to live a holy life. This is the hard one. Well, what does a holy life look like? Well, I'm pretty sure it was said, be holy as I am holy. So if you want to know what a holy life looks like, go read the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke and see how Jesus lived. Jesus is God in the flesh, living out the living word so we can see how this is supposed to be lived out in the real world scenarios. So if you want to see what a holy life looks like, Go read it. Well, you don't understand. He didn't have to deal with internet pornography like I have to. No, Jesus actually dealt with the devil face to face on three separate occasions and was able to say no and here's why. So if you want to live a holy life, figure out what is right and what is wrong and figure out why it is wrong and stand firmly on that principle. And when it comes back up, you say, no, here's why. That's too much work. You just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Mm -mm. Nope. I will on occasions. But that's not my job. My job is to preach truth. Your job is to go deeper in your relationship with him. You go figure it out. If you need help, I'm all yours. I will gladly get in the trenches with you and try to figure this stuff out. In fact, I may have some tips and tactics that I can help you with. But it doesn't have to be internet pornography. It could be the restaurants that you go to or the things that you drink or the things that you eat or the dress that you dress. Whatever it is. We are to live a holy life. Titus 2, 11 and 12 nailed it for me and for us when we were developing this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Everybody has the opportunity for this thing. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. I am pretty confident I do not have to define that for you. You are smart enough and clever enough to be able to look at something and decide good or bad. Amen? Amen? Come on. Now listen, you should not have to wait to Sunday morning to figure out if going to a certain restaurant is right or wrong. Or going to a movie, or wearing this, or doing that, or hanging with this person, or uh, looking at that, or, or whatever you want to throw in there. You shouldn't have to wait till Sunday morning. You are smart enough. In fact, you have been built into a a, a nice little right-wrong meter, and you already know it. Think about it. 
when a little child does something wrong, do they just say, yay, I did that? They go and hide. Because guilt already just eats them alive. They know what they've done is wrong. That's how I knew my kids had done wrong. I may not have seen what they did, but I watched their demeanor change. Because inside of all of us, we have a right-wrong meter. If we want to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, which, by the way, is what living in the image of God looks like, we need to allow that right-wrong meter to be controlled by the Spirit of God, the very image in who we have been created by. Number five, lastly, I commit to being involved in healthy, God-honoring relationships with other Christian people. Now, many times when we get here, we think, well, does that mean i got to cut loose all my other friends? No. But the ones that I'm really going to be involved in, the ones that I'm going to allow them to pour into me, excuse me, are people that I know who are following God. I have lots of acquaintances, lots of friends outside of here that I'm not going to really let them pour into me. I'm going to try to pour into them, but I'm not going to let them influence me. But I have a lot of closer, more intimate friends that I'm going to allow to have the voice in my life that God would allow them to have. And those are the relationships I'm going to seek out. Those are the relationships I'm going to try to develop. Those are the relationships that I'm going to listen to because I know they are following the same one that I am following. In Acts chapter 2, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice where they met. In the temple and house to house. Most of us, when we leave this place, we will not see each other again until next Sunday. How does that work? That's not how we grow a church. We meet together and we draw others into those little intimate meetings to let them see what God is doing in our hearts and lives. And not only that, when I meet with my small group, and I can be encouraged, and I can be challenged, it changes my perspective for the next day. To where when I go to work, the very place that I don't want to be, or surrounded by people that I don't like, that I'd rather just have them go away, I can be an influence on their life. That's how the church grew. Because the outside folks saw something different in you. Oh no, it's the preaching, it's the music. No, no, no. The church grows when you grow. Man, that was good. I like that. <laughs> so here's a couple of things to think about. This whole thing that we just talked about, those five tenets, that's what we're looking for in our members. And if you don't see it in me, you better come talk to me. If you don't see it in another member, hey, come alongside them gently and say, hey, we need to work on this. We've got to do something better. Why? Because all of this is an attitude of the heart. If I'm not willing to strive to live a holy life, then I have a heart issue. If I'm not willing to give part of my income to the church to be used for the glorification of God, if I'm not willing to use my skills and my talents, the very skills and talents that God gave me, because it's all his anyway, there's a heart issue. 
Amen. I'll, I'll help you with that one. It's a heart issue, not a saved issue. It's a heart issue. It's an issue of not submitting that portion of your heart to God completely yet. It's an attitude of our heart. It's mine, not his. No, it's all his. Second thing is this. It's an attitude of sacrificial giving. Listen, don't think for one second that I could not use the tithe money that we send every month. And yes, as a pastor, I tithe. I could use that money. I'm getting ready to send Ethan to Liberty. I could use the money. But it's not mine. And I know that when we are faithful in doing what we are called to do, God will handle the rest of it. We'll be moving into the pow house in very soon. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we won't. But it's an attitude of sacrificial giving. Listen, if it was easy, we wouldn't think twice about it. But it should be a portion of, of our income. And maybe right now you can't do the whole 10%. Start with 1%. And let it grow. Try God. We're not supposed to test God. But in this instance, in Malachi, he gives us permission to say, hey, put me to the test. If you can trust me with your finances, I promise you, I will watch out for you. We have not wanted for anything yet. Our needs are more than taken care of. Not because we're awesome. Well, you're the pastor, of course. No, 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 no. We are faithful followers of Christ doing the best that we can. And God does the rest. It's an attitude of our heart and we give sacrificially. And so should you. It's an attitude of it's all his anyway. Listen, I I know that kind of seems flippant or kind of superficial, but it really should be the mentality of our lives. Well, what about your cars? It's his. What about your house? It's his. Well, what about, what about your tools? It's his. What about your golf clubs? Ah, it's his. <laughs> well, what if you got your Toyota Tacoma that you really want? It's his. It's not mine. It's all his. Well, what about your kids and your wife? His. They were just loaned to me. They were graciously given to me to be entrusted to love on them and encourage them. And then to kick him out of the house. It's all his. It's all his. Will you say that with me? It's all his. Say it again. It's all his. Nothing that you have is yours. Now I know that is contrary to what we hear and what we see and what we feel inside. It feels weird to say, well, everything I have is God's. It's odd. But the reality is, folks, we cannot live with this worldly mindset. Remember the Titus verse, the worldly lust? We've got to change our thinking. We've got to renew our minds, like it says in Romans 12. And we've got to be thinking about the idea of, I am created in the image of God. My job and responsibility from here on out is to glorify him. Therefore, anything that I have, anything that I am able to do, anything that I am able to amass, it's all his. And it's an attitude of my heart. It's an attitude of how I choose to look at it. God desires it all. He desires to have your relationships. Your marriage Oh, no, he can't fix that. Come on. We're talking about the guy who raised people from the dead. He can raise your dead marriage. 
well, we're not married yet. Good. Because he wants that relationship now before you do things you don't need to do and to protect the marriage that you're getting ready to have. What about my friendship? So I got some friends that I live one way in front of them and then live another. He wants those. He wants you to live the way that you're supposed to live to impact those that don't. Your talent, your ability, your skill. Have I ever told you? I think I have. I skipped speech class in college because I don't like talking in front of people. Seriously. I was able to avoid it because I was going to be a teacher, which, go figure that, but it was math, and I knew math was safe. I skipped it. Why? Because I, I really do not like talking. And if you talk to me at any length, you'll figure out why. Because I don't have the best grammar. I may not be the most knowledgeable. But when God is in it, when I can give him all and say, it's all yours, you do what you want to do, he's pretty phenomenal. He's really phenomenal. Your treasure, again, we've talked enough about that. I'll lie off, but please continue to tithe. Your time, we need volunteers all the time. You're getting ready to see sign-ups out there for all kinds of stuff. We got egg wrapping. Who can't put candy in an egg and put some tape on it? Some of y'all are sitting at home, I'm so bored, I don't know what to do. Come wrap some eggs. Do you know why that's important? Because those eggs, you could pray over every egg that you're going to fill and pray that it would make an impact on the kid that's going to find it when we go to Coleman's. Take something that's simple and turn it for the glory of God. Everything. One of the funnest things that Sally and I used to do with teenagers, we would play the dumbest games intentionally. Because our rule of thumb is you can make anything that you've got going on, it's all in what you make it. This Christian life, if it's boring, if it's mundane, that might be on you. Because when I read how Jesus interacted and the other apostles and disciples, it was anything but boring. The life that I live is anything but boring. Why? Because I'm giving it all back to him and letting him do and lead me in the paths that I would not normally go because they're the paths of righteousness. And your stuff, it's all his. As God modeled generosity, we should follow his example. And you know what the greatest example of his generosity was? He sent his one and only son to live a sinless life, to model for us what this life should look like as human beings. And then he died, and on the third day he rose again to give us that hope and victory. That's how generous God is. And if we are made in his image, then we are to be generous just like him and to give it all back to him. Ooh, that's really small, sorry. Acts chapter 20. It says, so now, brethren, I command you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or a parable. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul, of all people, worked with his hands to where he had not a need to depend on anybody else, but he was able to give back to God everything that God had blessed him with. We have a great work that's going on right here. We've got a great community outreach that is seriously waiting. Talk about a field that is white for harvest. It is ripe. 
And we've got a church full of people that you guys can make a huge impact. We've got impressionable children in the back that could use some love, could use some encouragement, that could use some hurting. We've got workers that are tired, volunteers that are just exhausted. God's got a great work going here, folks. Let's buy in a little more than we already are. Let's give it all that we have. Let's recognize the image that we're created in and let's be generous with the things that he's blessed us with and give it all back to him because he desires it all. It's all his anyway. A couple of quick questions for you as the praise team comes. Number one, where are you lacking in your generosity? Maybe it is the tithing. Maybe it's the skills that you have. Maybe it's stuff that you are hoarding. I don't know. But God does, and he can help you uncover those things if you're not sure. What is it? What are you holding back? What's holding you back from just submitting everything that you have to him? What's holding you back from saying, God, you know what? I know you desire all of me. Here it is. What's holding you back? Is it sin? Is it something in your past? Let me tell you, let me tell you a little something about God. He absolutely loves you right where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to take whatever it is that you think is holding you back from him and remove that and restore in you the joy of the Lord. That's the great God that we serve. So what is it that you think that you're holding back on that he wants to take away today? And then lastly, are your thoughts more about what can I get or is it more about what can I give? That will tell you a lot of where your heart is because it really is an attitude of the heart and God desires it all. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for who you are and the greatness of your word. Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of your word that dives deep into our hearts and uncovers those things that we cannot understand or uncover on our own. I pray that this morning that you would remind us as members of Townsend Church of who we are and whose we are and whose image we've been created in. For those of us that are contemplating whether to join or what does it look like to live in the image of God, I pray that these five things that we've talked about today would be encouraging and guiding. Help us to understand, though, that none of this is possible without submitting everything to you and starting a relationship with you, God, through your son, Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name.